Mr. Zuckerberg, Mr. Zuckerberg, sir, yes. may I take a meeting with you now to talk about priority number one? Priority number one, yes. We've made some progress, I hope. Let me just close this door and, and lock the it. data that I'm so thirsty for. I'm just going to turn on the radio here to make sure that we're not overheard. So on the data that you have requested... The close-up, well-lit photos of users' buttholes. Well... We all know what priority number one is Yeah, of here. course, sir, but the... Uh, uh, the Spit it out, man. What is the holdup? We're just a little bit worried about public relations. If people get a pop-up on their screen saying, Facebook requests a well-lit close-up photo of your butthole, it's going to be mm-hmm. screenshot, passed around the blogosphere. Okay. Totalitarian Facebook takes photos of users' buttholes up close and well-lit. Two things. Two things. I can't do everything. Three things. Number one, I can't do everything. Okay. Number two, I don't want to go on an apology tour about this thing. Yeah, absolutely, sir. And number three, my grandmother told me that to know a person's heart, you needed to look close up at their well-lit butthole. I need those pics. Well, there is one option. There's a medical imaging center, locations all across America, and they have well-lit images of everyone's buttholes up close, sir. So if we acquire them, it's a $4 billion. $4 billion. <laughs> For $4 billion, we could get those images, and then we could use our uh, data. talking. They sign into their medical imaging company's app through the Facebook sign-in option, and we're in business. It's all connecting their photos, connecting to their profiles, connecting to the world. The thing I'm worried about, sir, is that our slogan since 2003 is keeping your butthole private is our number one priority. We can't keep them private if we don't have them, okay? Absolutely, you understand sir. that? Yeah, okay. Yes, sir. Make it happen. Yes, sir. Right away, sir. Well, I guess there's nothing to do now but pop in my old podcast listening headphones. Yep, just little old me, Mark Zuckerberg, listening to a podcast, tuning in to what comes next when I hit play. I'm just like you, I listen to podcasts. Starting now. Warning, this is a public service announcement from the Seriously Wrong Podcast. We've got something that we need to talk to our users about, and we're really, really sorry. We're sorry. There was a recent data breach, a violation. I like to call it a whoopsie daisy. You're actually a series of whoopsie daisies. So what happened doesn't represent our values. It's not what our podcast is about. Now, we understand that some investigative reporters are about to do a big story about this. So our legal counsel said it'd be good to get in front of this and do an apology. So here we are, a really sincere apology. When... Listeners of Seriously Wrong were going on their uh, home computers, laptops, or web devices. Any time that you accessed any pornographic website, the camera on your laptop and the microphone on your laptop would turn on like clockwork and send all of the really crisp audio and video back to Seriously Wrong headquarters. We're sorry that it exists, number one. And you know, as your listener, you trust us with the information of where you went to elementary school and who all of your elementary school teachers were. That's information that we treasure you sharing with us. And that's something we take very seriously. It's something we've always taken very seriously. But unfortunately, 
Some wires got crisscrossed. There was a whoopsie daisy. Turns out all of that video footage we have of you was emailed to your elementary school teachers. And in some cases, all students in your elementary class, though that's not all users. That's rare. Yeah, that's just to be clear that that did happen. We're not saying that didn't happen. We're saying statistically, it probably didn't happen to you. But the first thing definitely happened to you if you're a listener of the show. And we're we're we're, we're sorry. sorry. We're, we're absolutely sorry. It's not what we want for you. So, apart from this boo boo, apart from this whoopsie daisy, we appreciate you listening. Won't happen again. This, we're learning. This relationship is built on trust, and we understand that. And this won't happen again. Scouts honor. You're seriously wrong. You're seriously wrong. You're seriously wrong. Seriously wrong. really interested in your computer oh i'm just waiting 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 uh, i sent a friend request oh I'm just really hoping they'll say yes do you forget that nerve-wracking you, yeah. you send a friend oh. request you're not sure if they're gonna say yes you're sitting there biting your nails so who'd you send it to mark zuckerberg founder of the all seeing face mark zuckerberg send him a request too. get right, both of us just look into the all seeing face it's a captivating little face isn't it I can't wait for Mark Zuckerberg to accept these friend requests. Will Mark Zuckerberg accept their friend request? Keep listening to this podcast and don't switch to a different podcast or a different episode of this same podcast to find out. Sean, how long have you stared at the all-seeing face today? Do you have an estimate? Uh, A good amount. I don't know. I've definitely spent... Oh, Six, I can check. 60 minutes or more with the all-seeing face today. I can um, check at least the app. This is the app, so this doesn't count on the computer, which I've also been on. You've been using the all-seeing face on mobile and on Yeah, it does desktop. see all, so whether you're sitting at the computer or whether you're on your phone. Where is this? Oh, no, there it is. Your time on Facebook. I've spent two hours and 20 minutes on the app today, which is... More than any other day this week, except for one. Some of the other days, 49 minutes, one hour and 49 minutes, one hour, 13 minutes, and then one was three hours and 23 minutes. Spend a lot of time with that goddamn face. You know what they say, the all-seeing face sees all, but when you actually look at the numbers, it's pretty rough. I know that I definitely spent upwards of an hour, probably around where you are, really, honestly. I stare into the all-seeing face more than I've stared into the face of my mother, past lovers, of anyone, really. I mean, nothing or no one has ever captured so much of my attention as this face. So the the all-seeing face, it's either a global community connecting the world, or it's a life-sucking casino somewhere on that spectrum. It's two-faced, the all-seeing face, total Gemini. (laughs) I've always thought that. In one sense, you're like, you know, what a 
beautiful platform that facilitates interesting discussions. But then you're like, it stole my life. What am I doing? It's odd because it's it's useful. It serves a social purpose and there's benefits to it. Like it's something through groups and stuff like that. People find a sense of identity through blogging and communicating with people. Like mm. people are getting something out of it. But at the same time, it's also predatory. Like it's also consciously taking something from people. Yeah, it's manipulative, obviously. It's a manipulative face. And very weird, keeping a lot of like spreadsheets, tables, information on you, tracking you, stalking you, everywhere you go, on your phone, it's there. I mean, it's not just the all-seeing face, it's also like Google and Microsoft and other organizations to different degrees, but like, yeah, they know more about us than we know about ourselves. There's the information enough there to analyze who I am on a really deep level yeah if patterns in my life and stuff like they got a lot of information there mm. and especially if you analyze like private messages like not just had the content of the private messages but had an understanding of what it meant and then was able to map that to be able to build incredible like psychological profiles of people who are power users especially oh definitely it's like if you if you're sitting in on someone's therapy sessions or something that's like but even more than that cuz you can't lie about certain sections of this data and like what what did you spend your time looking at where did you scroll and stop on the timeline like it's interesting cuz they know that but then they they also don't know I was going to say they don't know how you feel about that, but if you reacted to it they know a bit about how you feel about it or at least how you want people to think you feel about it there would need to be some tea leaf reading going on, but yeah, I don't know. The The implications of it are hard to like fully consider, and I don't think we'll all really get it until it starts becoming more commonplace. All this like stuff that you don't think about anybody watching you doing it, that information can come out in various ways. When you first approach the all-seeing face, it smiles, it's friendly, it's warm, but... Um... It's a creepy face. The all-seeing face is big and it's everywhere and it knows not everything, but more than anything else ever has before. <laughs> like, for real. <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know. That's that's the world we live in now. This thing exists. We've built it. Or, like, people built it. And now it exists. So we got to deal with that. That's the world. And now we go to the sleepy little town of Wrongtown, where, on a day just like any other day, a traveling salesman entered the city limits. Little did they know that this traveling salesman would change their entire lives. Uh, yeah. Hi. Hi there, sir. My name is Dr. Zuck. I'm a uh, traveling salesman. Do you mind if I come in? Have you heard the good news about the all-seeing face? Do you mind if I come in? Here I go. And uh, how are you doing I today, guess, sir? Yeah, I guess so. I'm fine. I'm fine. Here, have a seat in the kitchen. You don't mind if I look through your family's photo album, do you? Oh, beautiful cousins you got there. D- sorry. Hey, so can, I, can you just put those down? I've invented this incredible new innovative thing. It's the all-seeing face. Uh, sorry, have the, you heard of this? All-seeing face. Face, no, I don't. I don't know what you're talking uh, about. Do you opt into me eating from your fridge? No. If you, I, do you need Fair something? Enough, I sir. can get. Fair I can enough. Get it. I, no, okay. no, it's it's quite all right. 
So here's the all-seeing face, and if you just peer directly into it, all right. uh, it will peer also back into you. I'll meet its eyes. So now... Oh, uh, there's a red dot. First and foremost, my goal in this world is connecting people, connecting communities. I'm crazy about it. I dream of a future where every community, every person in the world is connected. And if you could imagine a string that ties me to you, and then a string that ties you to your neighbor, and then we're all connected in one big knot of strings... That's my beautiful future. And that's what this is all about for me. Strength. Okay, so this is a way for me to connect connect with people. So I'm going to, you know, meet people in person, having full human interactions with all five senses. And Well, no, this is the incredible thing about this all-seeing face. What you do is you connect with the all-seeing face. The all-seeing face connects with someone else. And then through the sort of medium of the all-seeing face, you're brought together. Oh, so it's kind of like an intermediary between, like I just have a connection to the face, and if everyone else is connected to the face, then we're all connected to each other, kind of. Hmm. Yeah, this is fascinating. Can you imagine a future where everyone on Earth, and I mean absolutely everyone, is all looking at the same time at the same screen? Yeah, that's a beautiful future. It, it sounds like everyone on the planet would be at once close to each other, but yet impossibly far away and isolated. Yes. Can I sign you up? Well, not too fast. How much does it cost? This is the best part. It costs you nothing but your time and attention. Time and attention. Well, I only freely give that when I choose to. There's nothing else. There's no catch. No, you just freely give your time and attention when you choose to. Uh, Okay, I have one last question. I, I was peering into this face and I was digging it. And that red dot was one of my favorites. But then I touched it and it went away. The red dot keeps on coming back. Oh, there it did. It came back. I love that. That's so cool. It and is cool. Poke it, it disappears. And oh, I'm, I'm in a group. That's neat. Keeps on coming back. Oh, there it is. It came back. Oh, <laughs> I love this. This is so much fun. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll leave you to your all-seeing face. It was a pleasure to meet you. Dr. Zuck is the name, and I'll be talking to all of your neighbors. Now that Wrongtown has been introduced to the all-seeing face, what future will that bring? Will the red dot keep coming back? And what will become of this mysterious Dr. Zuck? Stay tuned to find out. So do you know how Facebook makes their platform extra addictive? Does it have to do with manipulating my brain chemistry? Yes. In the movie, Justin Timberlake played this guy, Sean Parker, who's like creator of Napster, investor in Facebook. Uh This is a quote from him. The thought process was all about how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible? And that means we need to sort of give you a little dopamine hit every once in a while because someone liked or commented on a photo or a post or whatever. That's going to get you to contribute more content and that's going to get you more likes and comments. It's a social validation feedback loop. You're exploiting a vulnerability in human psychology. So he's played by Justin Timberlake in the film, but in real life. But that life, was a quote, f- from not from real, Justin Timberlake. Yeah, not from the right. film, not from Justin Timberlake, but the real guy that Timberlake played. Right. And I guess this is something that they probably stumbled onto to some degree, but they're definitely consciously aware of, and they definitely try to make the website as addictive as possible. They call it stickiness when people spend more time around the website, return to the website in the future. There's actually firms that exist that specialize in this that for like a fee will help your app become more addictive like using their expertise on the subject 
So Facebook notifications function as addictive by being a variable reward. Like when you check your notifications and sometimes you have more or less notifications, like that's different variables of excitement. And then also the different substance of the notifications can be variable as well. Like there's better or worse notifications. So like every time you check your notifications, it's like popping open a booster pack of trading cards or something, you know? Like Opening you're hoping... a Kinder Surprise. Is the toy good? <laughs> Is it a crappy toy? Did I get a holographic? Did I get the Charizard? Or if you want to use the most disparaging comparison, it's like a casino. It's like gambling. It's like pulling a, a slot machine lever and then hoping that you get bar, 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 and you get that cash money. But in this case, that would be a compliment from, say, your crush. Yeah, there's wins and loses, but there's like different levels of wins and loses. You know, there's the loss of, you know, no new notifications in the last 30 seconds. What the heck? Or even the last 10 minutes. But then there's the loss of like two new notifications. Oh, it's just people posted in groups and someone I haven't talked to in a really long time invited me to an event. So it's like you got the momentary hit of, oh, two notifications, but they were kind of duds. But you know. Which makes you crave it again more in the future. You're like, yeah. oh, I hope I get the holographic Charizard this time. Oh, boy. And a way to make this process more addictive is to slightly delay delivering the results. So like when you open up the all-seeing face, the amount of notifications you got, there's a slight delay. Because in putting that delay there intentionally, it's not that it's actually taking that amount of time to load. It's right. like by giving it that delay intentionally... Your brain focuses on the absence, and it's like anticipation. It's like watching the wheel spin. Oh, man. Their app malfunctions in really weird ways, and sometimes it's just like the you have to keep refreshing the notifications, and it's not working. And you know that there's three there, but you can't see what they are. They're just showing you ones you've already seen. And like I sometimes end up having to close my app and open it again. This could all just be bugs, but it functions in exactly that way you're talking about of like this artificial delay in getting it and knowing that it's there it just like i'm like uh, like chomping at the bit to see what those goddamn notifications are it's like oh i just got added to a group called this ain't it sweetie no thanks (laughs) i guess i could tag that if i really wanted to let someone know that something wasn't it now i have to turn off notifications from this group just preemptively to oh it's something to do to while i'm waiting for more notifications to show up (laughs) So when you're playing a slot machine, you're giving it money. And when you're buying booster packs of cards, you're paying for those cards or anything that has that similar sort of addictive function. With Facebook, what you're paying in is your time and attention, which is really valuable if you think about it. And serve up those sweet ads. Need a mattress, Sean? Need a fitness app? I do need those things. How did it know? (laughs) I've been reading your private messages with your friends. Yeah, It's not called private messages. It's called inbox. It's just messenger.com, not private messenger.com. Sorry, did you assume that was private? Just between you and the person you were messaging? Where did you get that idea? What wording ever gave you that idea? (laughs) Just because your friends can't see. Like, yes, it's blocked off from your friends. And we never said that it was going to be blocked off from your friends forever. We can open that up at any time. Can you imagine if you got that little checkbox on your profile and it's like, new feature, do you want to open up your entire (laughs) (laughs) private message history to your friends list? Opt out. Oh, if they were asking if you wanted to, I thought you meant it pops up and it's like, new feature, you've been granted access to everyone else's private messages to read, write, and edit them if you want. 
That's a horrifying idea. I'm just thinking of what you could do with that. Imagine you were the only one. Oh, you could just yeah, read I know. Any, yeah. any person's private messages, like in real time. There's got to be people at Facebook who can do that and have just ch- checked it out. Well, there's certainly no legal protection against that role existing, as far as I understand. Like, there's no mandatory privacy. And, and there's another thing here, which I think it's worth reflecting on the effect of push notifications. And so it's not just Facebook that does these push notifications, but when your phone vibrates and tells you like something important's happened, and then you look at it and it's something that's not important at all, you just had your stream of consciousness robbed from you. And Facebook is one of the organizations that wants nothing more than to interrupt your stream of consciousness. It has to function under a system where profit is the incentive. So it needs to like structure you around ads. So like attention stealing might not be the optimal use of the use case of Facebook, but it's the best case scenario for the use case of Facebook that's tainted by the need to serve advertising and tainted by the need to sell user information. Facebook's end game is to break all of our brains to make us so subservient to them and their stream of consciousness interrupting product that we just buy whatever ads were served in the future and they just serve everyone the same ads all in a row, (laughs) guaranteeing profit for those people. And I really... No, Facebook wants you to be an individual and they want to know all about your individual bits so that they can sell you exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. What does Sean really need? That's what Facebook wants to know. It doesn't want to control your thoughts. It just wants wants to get to know you. It just wants to reflect your private thoughts. (laughs) to the proper manufacturers who are going to build whatever the thing is that you need to fix that hole. As long as I'm spending more time inside this all-seeing face, I'm a happy boy. Someone's a happy boy anyway. Mark. Mark is a happy boy. (laughs) And once we befriend him, we'll be happy boys as well. Yeah, we want our interests to align with you, Mark. He seems really nice, and he has a lot of power. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, excuse Aaron for, for jumping right to that. I don't want to be friends like I just know you, like you're just in my circle, like I just see your posts, like that kind of friends. I want to be real friends with Mark Zuckerberg, Oh, you yeah, know? Facebook friends like is step one. Like a deep emotional connection, yeah, like human definitely. to human, like two people who really know each other. I want to truly know Mark Zuckerberg and befriend him, not in a superficial sense, but in a real sense. Yeah, and I suspect that Mark might have a thing or two to learn from us. I mean, I know I just said he was nice, but as far as his business practices go, running this all-seeing face, I don't know, I think there's a lot he could learn from us. Please, please, Mark Zuckerberg, please be my friend. Please, please, please be my friend. Today on Confirmation Bias News from Reuters, Facebook addiction linked to depression. In a small study of Facebook users in Poland, depression was one predictor of greater vulnerability to becoming dependent on using the social media site. So-called Facebook intrusion is similar to an addiction, but the emphasis is on the way a person's relationship with others are affected. Being young, male, and spending a lot of time online also predicted a greater likelihood of unhealthy dependence on Facebook. We know a little bit about Facebook usage and personality, said Dr. Robert Cloniger, a psychiatrist with the Washington University School of Medicine, who wasn't involved in the study. If you're introverted and socially sky, then your social skills may not be very good. So using your intelligence to navigate the internet allows you to create an image that may not be accurate, but that gets you social contacts. 
People who become addicted to Facebook are those who are low in self-directedness and high at novelty seeking. They use social media sites like Facebook as a substitute for meeting people face-to-face and keep other people at a distance. That doesn't give you real intimacy. It doesn't build your capacity for trust and confidential relationships that are really deep and honest. And the people who try to use it are the ones who are going to be most vulnerable to being shamed and attacked and rejected and not be able to handle crisis well. You've got this paradox of the people most likely to use it are the ones who are going to be the most vulnerable to its dangers. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense because for all the talk of connecting people, the types of connections you can have in text or, you know, sending videos and and links and emojis is necessarily superficial and avoiding some of the, you know, main parts of actual social interactions, like in seeing people's face, their expressions, their body language towards you, their genuine in the moment reactions that they don't have time to consider before they're displayed. That kind of direct social contact can't be replicated on a platform like Facebook that puts a buffer between you and other people. So you get a form of connection, but it's a it's a mediated form of connection. Yeah, it's mutual like both sides are curating what they're sharing and have a chance to like not just react but think about how they're going to come across mm-hmm. which it makes sense that that would be a good thing in the way of like helping people to define their own identities and be like who do i want to be yeah i could see how that's a beneficial side to it yeah yeah it's, it, it seems like it would be a good uh, a supplement potentially if you got rid of all these profit seeking aspects and the need to keep your eyes on the screen for advertising and sell your data to people. This type of interaction could be beneficial in a lot of ways, but as it stands now, they have to design it to make you feel unfulfilled so that you keep coming back. So in addition to just the those kind of structural elements of having that buffer and time to curate, mediating your social experience, there's also the fact that they're not designing these platforms so that you get off them and go meet people like they're not encouraging that they're not encouraging you to feel good they want you to feel like you need more yeah no yeah because if they close the loop then you're gone so they always want you craving this loop closing that never actually happens it can't provide fulfillment it has to just provide the promise of fulfillment the unfulfilled promise of fulfillment Yeah, they should really change Facebook so that rather than playing into these things for profit, it discourages these things. I don't know exactly how to do that, but that should at least be the goal, right? Yeah, well, it's it's not a Facebook specific thing. Like you could do that on like a forum or like other different ways of communicating. Absolutely, it's it's an internet problem. But I'm saying internet communication companies that are dominating huge amounts of the space of social media or whatever, when they're employing psychologists to figure out how to (laughs) manipulate their users into behaviors, it would be good if what they were hiring those psychologists to do was to dissuade these negative social dynamics. (laughs) People might get pissed, but what if Facebook automatically unsubscribed you from a thread if you responded to like four or more comments on it like if you just seem too mad about this subject like facebook just fully unsubscribes you without your (laughs) 
agreement. Just you start responding to everyone on this one thread. I mean, if and Facebook gets reacting. a snark detector or like <laughs> sees that you're laugh reacting comments that other people were just heart. <laughs> I would support Facebook implementing a ban on condescending haha reacts. I think you can just report sh- them. Should and... be bannable offense. Oh man, I would be banned all the time. I'd have to change my patterns. Me too. I strive to not do those condescending hahas. I think they're great as long as they're on my side. It's a personal, it's like my 2019 resolution no more condescending haha reacts i'm not about that that's not me that's the other guys i'm gonna keep doing it but if it becomes socially unacceptable i might stop well i'm gonna work to make it unacceptable i'm gonna enjoy it while it lasts that is a dark-sided react dark-sided sir brief bit of history here. All the way back in 2011, the Federal Trade Commission charged Facebook with improperly using data that they said they would keep private, but then didn't. And Facebook and the FTC came together and they made this thing called a consent agreement, meaning users would now know everything about how their data is being used and have to consent to it. Sounds like a solid policy. Great job, legislators. So this is why the Cambridge Analytica thing was such big news. The fact that this data analytics firm with political ties to Trump campaign, blah, 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 had access to millions of users' information and used that information for its own objectives. This was thought of as a breach of the consent agreements, why there's all these Senate hearings, et cetera, et cetera. And in the past, like, two months, there has just been, like, this flood of information about more specific shit that Facebook has done. So the New York Times has written, like, a series of exposés on it. And then there's also emails that were put out by the UK government, who's been having their own hearings with Facebook on privacy issues. They're in court. They had to submit all these emails, and the government just releases them to the public. So some of the revelations from those emails were Facebook specifically worked ways to find a way around having Android users be notified that they were going to collect their phone numbers and use that information to suggest some friends and various other things. So from internal Facebook emails, and this is a pretty high risk thing to do from a PR perspective. The screenshot of a scary Android permission screen becomes a meme, as it has in the past, propagates around the web, gets press attention, enterprising journalists dig into what is happening, write stories about Facebook uses new Android update to pry into your private life in ever more terrifying ways. Who's saying this? Michael LeBron, an executive at Facebook. It's kind of imagining the nightmare scenario of if people were actually asked to consent to give them this information. Luckily, they found a way around it. If they only asked for call logs instead of call logs and SMS logs, no notification screen. So it just goes to show like intent to work around people being notified. It's not just like, oh, you know, it's so hard to remember to notify people. No, no, it's just like Android already was notifying people that Facebook was asking for more permissions. And they're like, no, we, we like, we, how do we not have that happen? It's definitely creepy for Facebook to track people off of the Facebook platform using apps to get access to like SMS, call logs, contacts, or like like buttons on pages around the internet. 
can track users yeah their internal term for that all that kind of stuff is reciprocity and like a lot of the companies they make partnerships with they had reciprocity agreements that's why you had these things like spotify posting every time you listen to a song and facebook ultimately was like okay those suck like you're just spamming people's feeds but all, all that stuff you're talking about, share it's this concept within Facebook of reciprocity of, you know, we provide them data, they send people back to our site, get more attention on us. We're all working together, all these companies, to know more about you. Like one company, this is also from those emails that the UK government released. Facebook acquired this company, Onavo, which was an Israeli analytics firm. And they had this app called Onavo Protect, which was a browser that was meant to keep your history private. So it's this privacy browser. But the app also happened to collect information about what apps you were using on the phone. And so Facebook, after they acquired this company, were able to get information about what apps you're using just in general on your phone like what apps users were using most so one specific thing they mentioned from this was that according to onavo's proprietary data whatsapp was being used to send 8.2 billion messages per day on people who had this app on their phone and facebook's mobile app was being used to send 3.5 billion messages per day so less than half and 10 months after acquiring Onavo, Facebook announced they were acquiring WhatsApp in a $14 billion deal. So the implication being that maybe that information had something to do with it. So yeah, like Facebook is like this information sponge that uses the information it gets to figure out ways to get more information. When I think about it, it acquiring a firm's data to get information about what to acquire next to get more data. Yeah. There's some creepy borg sort of like liquid metal terminator shit going on there and when it can't acquire something then it tries to destroy it uh also (laughs) (laughs) it's true like in this because in these emails it just the, the literally the next thing i had written was that sometimes facebook does like to keep data to itself for example when vine started really taking off and vine was owned by twitter they cut off Vine's access to Vine users' Facebook friends so that people couldn't follow their Facebook friends on Vine anymore. And then shortly after, introduced Instagram's short video feature. So it was like cut off Vine and then put up Instagram because Facebook owns Instagram. And uh, shortly after that, Vine is gone. Must acquire, must acquire. You won't let me acquire you. I'll destroy you. It's horrible they haven't been able to robot. destroy Twitter yet, but they would if they could. This all-seeing, all-acquiring, all-destroying face. So the New York Times obtained hundreds of documents from Facebook's internal system for tracking partnerships. This stuff here, this is recent, revel- like yesterday, we decided we were going to do this episode last week. And then the day before we're going to record, all this new stuff comes out. They must be using the microphones in our phone to listen to our private conversations. Yeah, the writers at the New York Times, because the New York Times expose pointed out that the New York Times had access to a lot of Facebook's data. All those reporters were like, hey, we should get this information out sooner so Sean and Aaron can use it in that. See, this is... Thank you, New York Times reporters. Thank you, Facebook, for sharing that data with them. This is the type of synergy, the type of... uh, What's the term that Mark uses? Reciprocity. Reciprocity. That's exactly what we're looking for, Mark. And that's why we want to be your friend. 
We scratch your back, you scratch ours. Simple as that. So they, they basically had a bird's eye view of everything that was being shared with all the different partners, who they are, etc. Some highlights. Bing can see all your friends' names. If you ever signed in to Microsoft through Facebook or connected them in some way, they know all your friends. You know, pretty basic. You probably expected that. If anyone has linked their Facebook account to Amazon who's your friend on Facebook, then Amazon has your contact information. Anything that your friend can see on your Facebook profile, Amazon can see through your friend's Facebook profile and pull that information out on you. So when you set something on the website to share just with friends, that doesn't just mean just with friends and Facebook. It means just with friends and Facebook and Amazon. Or just, and anyone that they yeah just just with friends Facebook and any sufficiently large corporation to be a parasite in your friend's account that's creepy it's like people's Facebook profiles are like have STIs like I can't right. friend yeah. I can't friend you your data hygiene is too disgusting like right. you're gonna you're be right. showing my friends only data like just whoever happens to have a personality test. The information Yahoo could see was even more specific. <laughs> if I signed into Yahoo through Facebook, they could see your timeline, not just your contact information like with Amazon, but your timeline and what you were posting. Also, all that information, you just posted posts that are shared with friends, that was being shared with Yahoo. <laughs> even though the feature that that was used for initially it was discontinued since 2011 the access continued until 2017 apple device users their devices could access contact numbers and calendar entries of people who had set their account settings to disable that kind of sharing Spotify, Netflix, and the Royal Bank of Canada had the ability to read, write, and delete users' private messages. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so I'm not sure what the Royal Bank of Canada thing was for. Spotify specifically, the reason that this existed was because if you mentioned a song in your private messages, they could not just read that you had mentioned the song and recommend that to you at a time. Spotify could build a custom display in your messages for how Spotify links would look. And so Spotify had to interact with your message things, and that's why they were able to read and write your messages. So that's what it was used for, technically. But just the fact that Spotify has that access and like someone with access to Spotify's computer systems, you just like you don't know like <laughs> It's just pretty incredible to think about the Royal Bank of Canada logging on, going back to like the year twenty thirteen and just like tweaking your messages to make you confess to a bank robbery or something yeah it's it's the royal bank of canada has probably already done that framed people for (laughs) bank robberies see the royal bank of canada what they do is they they get their guys to rob the bank right they set it all up for their boys get that cash money out of there then get the insurance money then they plant the evidence in some schmucks private facebook messages well, if you're wor- with read and write privileges, now that's just wild. If you're worried about this, then don't worry. Both Spotify and Netflix have said that they didn't even know Facebook had given them that much access, so no biggie. Oh, well, that's good. 
Actually, what Netflix specifically said in their tweet was, we're not the type to slide into your DMs. Uh, that's, that's horrible. Yeah. That's not, that's not a way to um, handle <laughs> this type this. of... Uh, oh, it's so clever. Yeah, of course that, Netflix wouldn't slide. I love Netflix. Uh, they poke such great shows. Netflix, they wouldn't they slide understand millennials like us. They just want to recommend me shows. Yeah, Who they cares just, if they can edit my private messages? Yeah, they didn't know they could edit my private messages. They thought they would just listen in to all my private messages for the names of shows. <laughs> just so a little bell would go off whenever a show was mentioned, and then they could recommend it to me. It was actually really convenient. That's, uh, that's fucking crazy. So deals like this, these partnerships were made with more than 150 companies, mostly tech businesses, online retailers, entertainment sites, but also automakers and media organizations like the New York Times. Facebook has started winding these things down as kind of the Cambridge Analytica thing came out and they're uh, phasing out partnerships. But still, their argument for why this doesn't violate the consent agreement is because the partners are considered extensions of Facebook itself. So what they're legal argument is that we didn't have to ask your permission to share your data with these people because these people are us. Bing is us. <laughs> these automakers are us. Through this partnership relationship, we are extensions of one another. That, that's, that's some fucking... <laughs> that's their that, argument. <laughs> that's some liquid metal terminator fucking shit, man. That's like the argument of a parasite monster. That's just like, I am the internet. Every corporation I touch becomes me. And like, I knew, okay, I knew that Facebook had my information, you know, like I knew that they had my information. I'm like, oh, they're probably not trustworthy, you know, like yeah. who knows what they'll use that for. But the specific thought of just like, oh yeah, they opened up your timeline to Coca-Cola because your friend did a personality <laughs> quiz. It's like, that's not yeah. the way, that's not, if you're going to violate my privacy, that's not the way I wanted you to do it, Facebook. My friend took a Coca-Cola personality quiz, and now they can read my timeline. You know, I, I made this quiz for fun, and then Facebook informed me nine years later, this whole time I had read and write privileges in your private messages. <laughs> so crazy. Sorry, can I just give a brief interlude for just a different flavor of Facebook news? Sure, yeah. They're massive tax evaders. They use tax havens and shell companies to massively avoid paying billions of dollars of global income tax every year. They make... Billions and billions of dollars. Oh, you mean just like Amazon, who is an extension of Facebook, who Facebook granted access to all of our friends' contact information. They are also huge tax evaders. Totally. So just, just another note about this all-seeing face. You know, when billionaire papers come out, oh, it's the Panama Papers, it's the Paradise Papers. Facebook's up in there because they're, they're doing that shit. They're nasty. Sorry, go on. This is some stuff that came out just back in November, a month ago. I think this came from informants inside Facebook. So while Zuckerberg is kind of doing his apology tour for the Cambridge Analytica thing, behind the scenes, Sheryl Sandberg and other executives hired a Republican opposition research firm called Definers. Some of the things that they had Definers do for them was discredit activist protesters in part by linking them to liberal financier George Soros. So at the same time that Zuckerberg is out apologizing for what Facebook did, Facebook is also paying people to cast their critics as being funded by 
George Soros. They're they're playing into these right wing conspiracy theories. Well, I'm sure they used a wide array of disinformation. This one just is particularly rough. They did use a wide array. They also were simultaneously lobbying Jewish civil rights groups to cast some of their critics as anti-Semitic. So while they're playing these anti-Semitic right-wing conspiracy theories, they're getting other people to say, hey, your critics are anti-Semitic. Every company does that, Aaron. Every company spreads anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. (laughs) It's capitalism. Before Sheryl Sandberg took the stand for this Senate committee thing, definers prepared a bunch of information about each of the senators that were going to be asking her questions and things like how much money they'd spend on Facebook ads, how much they had received in campaign donations from Facebook or other big tech companies, software that their websites used for analytics or to collect data so that they could make them look like hypocrites. This is the century we live in. This is the information economy, the reputation economy. You got to pay the big bucks to destroy your enemies reputations to preserve your own so just in general the the key part of the definer strategy for achieving all this stuff was a website network they run called the ntk network which just kind of looks like your run-of-the-mill news aggregator with a right-wing slant but many of the ntk network's news stories are written by the staff of definers and another opposition research firm called America Rising to criticize rivals of their clients, such as Facebook. So, so like, you know, definers gathers all this information on the senators who are going to be questioning Sandberg and then pushes out through their network of conservative news websites articles about how these senators are hypocrites for getting mad at Facebook and like how these protesters about Facebook are linked to George Soros or the Oh Mark 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 It's not you at your best bud but we're willing to forgive you. I just want him to give the data back. You know, just as a show of good faith here everyone here's your data back. <laughs> what would that look like you just get an email it's like the message from Zuckerberg, you now have your data back. I don't know. It's like it's encrypted or something, so only you can access it. I mean, it'd be great to have some like end-to-end encryption. There would still be like some random person you don't know is in this Facebook group. That means they can access everything in the Facebook group. Like no amount of encryption can stop that if you have... Yeah, but it's not being analyzed for larger patterns. That data isn't being made available to anyone else. It's yours. It's your data. Yeah, and it's like a private message between you and another person. It's like only the two of you can access it Mm -hmm. by default. It's a wild idea, but I think it's, uh, it's worth trying. I'd much prefer that. Welcome to Wrongtown News. Shocking scandal today as visiting, traveling salesman Mark Zuckerberg and his all-seeing face are under fire for giving away right access. Now, wait, now, now, before we tell this story, it's not going to make any sense. Right. Unless people are aware that in Wrongtown, it is a daily and normal occurrence for people's private thoughts to be sent up through the air to a satellite where it relays back and forth through satellites back down to people's heads. This is a normal course of action in Wrongtown. But in some cases, these thoughts can get mixed up, and a person's thought destined from one head ends up at another person's head. That didn't happen today, but that's important context. If you're going to understand exactly what this scandal is and how it works with the traveling salesman Mark Zuckerberg. 
The scandal broke when every single person in Wrongtown got the urge to watch The Haunting of Hill House at the exact same time. What our investigative reporters found was that the traveling salesman Mark Zuckerberg had gained access to all of the citizen of Wrongtown's private thoughts as they were going to and from the satellites that connect to their heads. And through a series of whoopsie daisies, Netflix ended up with right access to everyone's thoughts and made everyone think that they wanted to watch The Haunting of Hill House. When asked for a statement, uh, Netflix responded with a tweet. Do we have the tweet here? Here, let me read that. On behalf of Netflix, I unequivocally say I'm heckin' sawy. And our hashtag squad goals going forward is to respect user privacy. It's from a tweet from the CEO of Netflix today. Now us newsmen up in our ivory towers can waggle our fingers at Dr. Zuck all day and tell our viewers how to feel about it. But I think what really matters here is the voice on the street. What are the common people saying about this company destroying scandal, this reputation destroying scandal? We go now live to the streets to find out. Sir, uh, has your perception of the all-seeing face changed at all since this Netflix scandal? What do you think? I actually support them having access to my private thoughts. That's extremely convenient for me. They can get me what I need when I need it. But the haunting of Hill House, that didn't come from you. That was pushed out to everyone simultaneously. You can't have been happy with that. It was actually a great show when I checked it out. Okay. Uh, Little boy, little boy, what do you think about the uh, Netflix all-seeing face privacy scandal? I haven't been raised with any expectation of privacy. So I think all of the largest mega corporations should keep complex psychological profiles on me and my family as I grow up. And uh, what what did you think of The Haunting of Hill House? Me and my family all think it was our idea to watch it. No, it's not true. They put that thought into your head. No. That's, Netflix Mm-mm. has admitted it. No, me and my family... They tweeted an image of themselves photoshopped over a little boy with his hand caught in the cookie jar, and instead of labeled cookies, it was labeled our customers' thoughts. It was our idea to watch it. Thank you so much. One more person, one more person, a wealthy industrialist. Maybe you have a unique opinion here. Yes, absolutely, I think I do, but just one second. I want to check really quickly. Is the little red dot back? (laughs) It is. It is the red dot. It always comes back. It always yes, comes it back. Yes, it does. Yes, it does, my friend. There it is. What do you think? Can you just put it down for one sec? What do you think about the scandal? Ah, uh, well, I didn't read the terms and conditions. <laughs> but it, it, it actually breached the terms and conditions. Let me quickly see if I've got a red dot. Oh, oh I do. <laughs> it's back. It's back. Yes, it does. It does always come back. There uh, it is. I love it. I love this thing. Sir, like they did plant thoughts in your Ooh. head. The compulsion to watch a TV show. Mm. Do you remember that day? There was pandemonium in the streets. Sir, are you uh, are you going to answer the question? Sorry, uh, what? What were you saying? They changed your thoughts. They made you want to watch... Who did? The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, Netflix. I love that show. I mean, it was a great show, but I'm just saying, do you remember that? I wonder if I've got a little dot. Let me check. Oh, I do! I do! There it is! The dot's back, baby! Nice little dot! I think that's all we're gonna get out of him. The people are unanimous. The Haunting of Hill House was a resounding success for Netflix. And the privacy violation 
either not a big deal or actively good. I assume that police departments and governments are using this also. Like, they must use it They a bunch. Yeah, yeah. Well, governments all over the world request data from Facebook all the time, and it is rising by a lot. The data specifically from the United States is that in the first half of 2013, 10,000 requests for information from the U.S. government were they granted it. They grant about 90%, they said, on average. So in that six-month period, beginning in 2013, 10,000 requests, about 25,000 over the whole year, because by the second half of 2013, it had gone up to 15,000. Skip ahead a couple years. At the first half of 2015, they're giving away about 17,500. And then uh, in the first half of 2017, it was 34,000. So, okay, I think about the entire United States, 34,000 requests for information from Facebook. It sounds small if you're like, they're asking for someone's birthday, you know, like it's just a little right. tiny piece. What's yeah, someone, what's what, in what, these what's, requests for Send a request. Can I get someone's email, so please? Th- this I is, need to this is the email. specifics. Uh, when asked for like what these requests include, Facebook said, quote, uh, some data was produced to the authorities in these cases. Some so data. That's what well, not all data. data. <laughs> yeah, no, just some data. <laughs> so um, that could be like, we suspect this guy's a bank robber. Give us access to all of his private messages so we can just check if he said, I'm going to rob a bank to anyone. Well, I mean, why stop? Give me access to his friends list, all of his friends' timelines. Yeah, and... we have a few suspects. So please, all of them, we just need to check through all these people's Facebook messages. and Or just give us the private messages of everyone in this geographic region. Just Or just, can we have our people look through the totality of the Facebook system for uh, six hours? So y- the U.S. makes about half of all requests to Facebook. So the rest of the world combined did, you know, another 35, 30-some thousand in the first half of 2017. On average, it's increased 33% year by year. So yeah, like the psychological profiles they're building of us ostensibly to sell things to us, which is, you know already weird enough, are now being introduced to the cops, are introduced to the cops when they want information on someone or other government agencies. Oh, man. And it's like... Do it's, they it's get hard. private message right privileges? I assume not, since just some data was provided. It doesn't say some data and some right privileges were provided. Some data was provided, and then they provided some data back and planted fake evidence in someone's private messages but i mean if i was an enterprising cop and i really wanted to do that maybe i could find someone who works at spotify to hook me up who knows yeah yeah today on confirmation bias news a genocide incited on facebook with posts from myanmar's military from the new york times They posed as fans of pop stars and national heroes as they flooded Facebook with their hatred. One said Islam was a global threat to Buddhism. Another shared a false story about a rape of a Buddhist woman by a Muslim man. The Facebook posts were not from everyday internet users. Instead, they were from Myanmar military personnel who turned the social network into a tool for ethnic cleansing according to former military officials and researchers in the country. 
Members of the Myanmar military were the prime operatives behind a systematic campaign on Facebook that stretched back half a decade that targeted the country's mostly Muslim Rohingya minority group. The military exploited Facebook's wide reach in Myanmar, where it is so broadly used that many of the country's 18 million internet users confuse the Silicon Valley social media platform with the internet itself. Human rights groups blame the anti-Rohingya propaganda for inciting murder, rapes, and the largest forced human migration in recent history. While Facebook took down the official accounts of senior Myanmar military leaders in August, the breadth and details of the propaganda campaign, which was hidden behind fake names and sham accounts, went undetected. The campaign included hundreds of military personnel who created troll accounts and news and celebrity pages on Facebook and then flooded them with incendiary comments and posts timed for peak viewership. Working in shifts out of bases clustered in the foothills near the capital, officers were also tasked with collecting intelligence on popular accounts and criticizing posts unfavorable to the military. Facebook confirmed many of the details about the shadowy, military-driven campaign. The company's head of cybersecurity said it had found clear and deliberate attempts to covertly spread propaganda that were directly linked to the Myanmar military. The previously unreported actions by Myanmar's military on Facebook are among the first examples of an authoritarian government using the social network for a propaganda campaign against its own people. In the United States, some domestic groups have now adopted similar tactics ahead of the midterm election. Yeah, so that's the other crazy thing about Facebook is how you can kind of create these reality tunnels with effort. Like, you can do it in one conversation with your little army of troll accounts and make it seem like a whole bunch of people agree with you. And if you're a military, you can do that to a whole country. Yeah, that is the craziest fucking story I've ever heard in my life. Like, a military operation making sock accounts to turn the the general population against an ethnic minority to commit genocide against them? Using Facebook as the media? Like, creating sock and troll accounts to create the political indifference to a military-led ethnic cleansing yeah and this is like contemporary yeah yeah just in the facebook age facebook just turned off all the accounts they could find this october when the new york times wrote that article that's when facebook finally fully clamped down on it uh, two months ago that is insane and it's like like connecting people (laughs) (laughs) we're connecting people i just wanted to connect as many people as possible well one of the fucked up things about that is like you have this facebook mediated interaction that contains the fullness of human emotion but the way that human interaction travels over the internet when you're creating that sort of reality tunnel by creating a bunch of different sock accounts that are all agreeing with each other and creating like because we're social creatures and we're like oh look there's consensus here Mm -hmm. and like how do i fit within this framework of all these people who are agreeing or disagree but the fullness of human experience exists there like anger happiness sadness fear of missing out like all these different sort of like regular human emotions exist but through this context that is entirely just text-based or like memes whatever mode of way that people are communicating yeah this mediated type of human connection this buffered human connection just a lot can go on in the space between 
all of that has the ability to affect your sort of primal response systems, your emotions, your... Yeah, so if you have the tactics down to like effectively run a tiny swarm yourself, or you have two or three people, or you're military and you can afford to pay people to just sit around doing it with a bunch of different various sock accounts, you can really make something seem like consensus that's actually insane. Yeah, it's just like I'm saying, like this whole thing is just, it's so big and like this this thing that has been built with all this information is just, I, I feel like it's beyond the grasp of us to really understand what the effects of it are going to be. Like you can see these glimpses of like, oh yeah, the government has access to that information. Now, if they request it, some data will be provided. We've created something very strange here. I mean, we, Mark, you created something very strange here. We want to be your friend, goddammit. Yeah, because, I mean, this thing has a lot of power and information, and honestly, I'm terrified of it, so I want to be on the winning team. And maybe we can try to direct it to do something good, but mostly I'm just terrified. See, I've got a little bit more, no offense, Aaron, but I've got more noble reason for wanting to be your friend than Aaron does. Um, I just (laughs) see something in you, man. Like, I just think that you and I would really hit it off. You just seem like a sweet dude, like a cool guy that I could really... And look, I'm honest with my friends. That's a sign of respect. And so sometimes I'll talk frankly about the surveillance hell casino that you've created in very risk terms and i think that's sort of one of the ways that we can connect but it's totally it's not about the the power so much it's more it's not i wouldn't say it's about power it's more about fear it's definitely not about seeing something in mark like i don't i don't see anything in him i really want to do like maybe we could smoke some meats together i'm making meats now smoking these meats here are a little meat smoking it's smoking so i'm the meat chef yeah, someone asked me, do I smoke meat? Smoking meat, smoking these meats. Smoking meats earlier in the day. Smoking these meats, just set the charcoal up. And you this is mostly about saving my own ass and hoping I can do something good along the way. But I appreciate that you have those noble reasons. Yeah, well, I mean, it's actually less noble in a way because you mentioned that you were hoping to make a difference and I don't really care either way. I just want to hit it off with Mark. Yeah, it's, maybe, it's not so give- noble, it's more individual i'll give the frank feedback about the changes i think should happen right. but if it doesn't change well that's mark he's free to be himself but i mean if and i, I respect mark and appreciate and I choose only one of us to be friends with which we're package deal mark sorry i would pick you because you seem more genuinely interested in him as a person whereas i'm using him for instrumental means for my own ends yeah but if i was like a third party hoping that he became friends yeah, with someone right. i might hope you actually right like for the the greater well, th- good. this actually works great then because he becomes friends with you because you're genuine in your request then you're a sort of a tag along yeah i'm third wheel to you him. bring me along then the people get their wish and you're like the inn you're the trojan horse kind making of making me party to this discussion now feels like it's but mark of... is also party to it because this is a public podcast so that's true so yeah, just, we're we put being it all up on the table. Them. We're up front. Yeah, we're being else, honest. Yeah. yeah, just like one has an ethical imperative to be honest about use of user data. Right. Yeah. That's the, how yeah, we're being. Honest. If you told us something personal about you, I wouldn't share it with everyone. I wouldn't share it to third-party advertisers either. And I wouldn't give them any. I almost I share almost nothing with third-party advertisers, like on the side. As a yeah, deal. not intentionally. Like I'm sure I share a lot with them unintentionally because you tricked me and other people like you. Mark. <laughs> but I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to share anything with them. Really. 
We now go to Absolutely Real Chat Log Radio Theater. Hello, my name is Sean, and I will be playing Mark Zuckerberg. I'm Aaron, and I will be playing Mark's redacted friend. The year is 2003, and Mark Zuckerberg logs on. Yeah, so if you ever need info about anyone at Harvard, just ask. I have over 4,000 emails, pictures, addresses, SNS. But how'd you manage that one? People just submitted it. I don't know why. They trust me, dumb fucks. And scene. Thank you so much, everyone. Applause. Thank you. Well, not too oh, much. Stop, stop. It's our craft. It's our craft. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I've got a question. The actor who played the redacted friend, was it, was it hard to get into that? A redacted character? Yeah, that's a great question. Usually I like to research the people I'm going to be playing. I, I might even tail them, follow them around. It depends on who it is, but when all you got is a black bar covering some unknown text, you know, I, I had to go my own way with it. I had to have a little fun with it. That's why I decided he'd have a British accent. Oh, is that why you had the British accent? Yeah, really make redacted my own, you know, turn it into someone who I knew as a character. Yeah, what is it like to play the fifth richest man in the world? Mark Zuckerberg. Really good question, and this was something that, I'll be frank, took a lot of work. Now, I wanted there to be some moral ambiguity. Now, is this a character that's revealing a real sort of animosity towards the very idea of privacy, showing their true face? Or you could say, well, maybe this is just a young man, he's 19, fresh in college, and he is trying to be cool, and he doesn't know how to express himself, and it's, it came out in this horribly unethical way. And I was really trying to tease that out, and I, I don't know if it came across, but... Uh, I think I think it did. Oh, I, thank you. Well, you, you knocked the redacted friend out of the park, I gotta say. My performance relied on your performance. Just saying, that friend being British brought the whole thing to another level. No, I, you know, I'll take the compliment. You know, sometimes you have a stroke of brilliance. Can't be afraid to admit it. So in 2017, there was speculation that Mark Zuckerberg might be planning to run for president. And the reason that people started suspecting this is because he was touring across America, meeting common people and talking to them about the issues that matter to them. Which is pretty suspicious and weird. Yeah. It's not a normal thing to do. It's not something I've ever done. It's not something you've ever done. I would do it if I was going to run for office. And I mean, I don't think that could have been easy for Mark. He must have practiced a lot. Like, this was a big thing for him. This wasn't a choice he made lightly. Mark said that he was doing this because he wanted to connect with people. Mm. But by now, I mean, everyone knows that when Mark Zuckerberg says that he wants to connect people... He's actually plotting to somehow steal their data for profit. Generally, that's been the case. So the suspicion was that he was trying to steal their data, the data of what they wanted in a politician, so he could steal that and use it to run for president. Just be the politician that everybody wants. What's wrong with that? The, the, The most political that he ever got in public was in 2017, he did a speech at Harvard that really sort of did feel like an awkward attempt at a political speech. Yeah, that's what I was talking about with the training thing. He seemed very trained. He seemed yeah, he's like, just super smiley and like... Nobody holds a smile that much on purpose. And <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know, he, he did pretty well. He did pretty well. Yeah, no, I thought it was pretty good. Better than I could do that, I think. 
But I'm not here to give you the standard commencement about finding your purpose. We're millennials. We try to do that instinctively. I'm here to tell you that finding your purpose isn't enough. The challenge for our generation is to create a world where everyone has a sense of purpose. Our generation is going to have to deal with tens of millions of jobs replaced by automation like self-driving cars and trucks. But we have the potential to do so much more than that. So what are we waiting for? It is time for our generation defining great works. How about stopping climate change before we destroy the planet and getting millions of people involved? How about curing all diseases? We can fix this. How about modernizing democracy so everyone can vote online? And how about personalizing education so everyone can learn? These achievements are all within our reach. Today, we have a level of wealth inequality that hurts everyone. Now let's face it. There is something wrong with our system when I can leave here and make billions of dollars in 10 years while millions of students can't even afford to pay off their loans let alone start a business. Every generation expands its definition of equality. Previous generations fought for the vote and civil rights. They had the new deal and great society. And now it's time for our generation to define a new social contract. We should have a society that measures progress not just by economic metrics like GDP, but by how many of us have a role we find meaningful. We should explore ideas like universal basic income to make sure that everyone has a cushion to try new ideas. We're all going to change jobs and roles many times, so we need affordable childcare to get to work and healthcare that's not tied to just one employer. And we're all going to make mistakes. We need a society that's less focused on locking us up and stigmatizing us when we do, and more focused on providing continuous education through our lives. And yes, giving everyone the freedom to pursue purpose isn't going to be free. People like me should pay for it. And a lot of you are going to do really well and you should too. In a recent survey of millennials around the world, asking what most defines our identity, the most popular answer wasn't nationality, ethnicity or religion. It was citizen of the world. That's a big deal. Every generation expands the circle of people we consider one of us. And in our generation, that now includes the whole world. We understand that the great arc of human history bends towards people coming together in ever greater numbers, from tribes to cities to nations, to achieve things that we could not on our own. We get that our greatest opportunities are now global. We can be the generation that ends poverty, that ends disease, and we get that our greatest challenges need global responses too. No country can fight climate change alone or prevent pandemics. Progress now requires coming together, not just as cities or nations, but also as a global community. Well, I mean, when he says it like that, those sound pretty good. Maybe Mark really is trying to do good, but he just got sidetracked into this data thing. It's like it's not what he wants is what he's saying there. But even though he's saying things that I would like. 
if they happened, I don't trust him to implement them because he hasn't proved that he handles having a lot of power in the sort of saintly way that it would be the only way where that would be even close to okay that someone has that much power. So listening to what Zuckerberg is saying in his speech, I think creating a new social contract, investigating basic income and addressing climate change is like a major effort, working to cure all diseases, having online democracy, taxing the rich to pay for it all and opening the borders. If, if that's his platform, I really like that. Like if that's what he's getting at with his broad sort of positive statements about expanding the circle of people we consider us and Mm -hmm. if that's what he's about i like that but then also yeah politics is really about trust and it's like it's not just having a good seeming platform it's like also do i trust you to have the integrity to implement it the way that you say and the competence to implement it within the confines of the system yeah and when you look at track records for integrity and competence so far mark hasn't been doing real great but Maybe he can make up for it. Well, yeah. I mean, everyone everyone makes mistakes. Like, if I'm sitting on the bus and someone's using their phone next to me, and I look at the screen of their phone and see their private texts, right? That I, is a, pri- I do that it's a privacy violation yeah. that I'm participating in. True. But the stakes are low because I'm not powerful. But right. if I was in the position of, say, like a Mark Zuckerberg type, those small mistakes can have massive consequences. And being president is like another huge thing that way of just the huge amount of power means that your mistakes are like so meaningful you're really playing for keeps up there i'll support him as long as he runs as a republican yeah with that platform that'd be great <laughs> Fantastic. i want to see him spar off with the republican front runners arguing in favor of basic income and open borders at the same time i really want to see those sparks fly i don't want to see him fight with you know andrew yang and bernie and the other 25 yeah. candidates. Yeah, no, definitely. Clinton again. <laughs> God. Yeah, I mean, and when you look at the Zuckerberg record as far as like, we're connecting the world, a global community, like all this high-minded sort of rhetoric. There's a quote in his speech. He's like, I wanted to connect more people. And it's like, you wanted to connect more Big people? companies wanted to buy us. I didn't want to sell. I wanted to see if we could connect more people. Is that what you really think? Like you're starting a business and you're like, I could connect people. This idea was so clear to us that all people want to connect. That's not the way a human thinks. Like (laughs) you were thinking about like, I want to increase my user base or something like for profit because I'm making a company. My book was never to build a company. I wanted to have an impact. The leaked emails and stuff show that they were just very focused on exactly those things, increasing user base, increasing ways to get information about their users, just as much of both of those things as possible, as fast as possible, full steam ahead. I was excited to help connect the Harvard community, but one day someone would connect the whole world. It never even occurred to me that that someone might be us. We were just college kids. We didn't know anything about that. But then the politician Zuckerberg will never say... Oh, I either consume or destroy my enemies. <laughs> my job is perpetual growth. I wanted to monopolize the internet and I succeeded. He's never going to say stuff like that, although it's like the business logic. Mm. He's going to be like, I just wanted to connect people. <laughs> I'm crazy like that. I don't think he's fit to be president. I don't think I'd vote for him. Even like, I'd love to see him out there with this platform saying these things. And I'm a Canadian and I can't vote anyway. So technically, I would never vote for anyone. Well, I, I think he doesn't intend to 
run for president. I think that he understands that Facebook is in a public relations game and having like more people like him as an individual is good mm. for the company. Yeah. And if he was planning to run for president, he wouldn't be alluding to these enormous things like basic income. He wants to occupy this space of like the pseudo politician who's outside it who like you'd be like oh i wish he would run because well, yeah, these great... are all really common like silicon valley people have taken on these talking Open borders points. basic income vote online well no, i would never plan to deliver any of these things at all i just want to inspire you so you trust me and then trust my company and then spend more time on my website so i can sell your data to third-party advertisers yeah the point was never to actually run for office the point was to make you like me and it kind of worked. Like, uh, listening to that speech, it's like, I like you, Mark. I want, I want you to be my friend. Yeah, will you accept my friend request, please? Please, Mark, please. accept our friend request. But if he did become president, you know basic income would come on, like, some sort of special, like, government credit card, and all the purchases with it would be tracked oh, yeah. and then stored in a database with your Facebook profile, and Facebook and the government would have, like, Well, that's a... the other thing, yeah. Would this just be a merging of Facebook and government? We were talking about, oh, they can make requests and get that info, but if it's just one thing now, those databases can cross-reference automatically. You're flying through the airport, and they're like, let's just check what you've been saying on... Your private, yeah, it, sorry, your messages, not your private messages. <laughs> Keep calling them private messages when they're clearly not. Just messenger, just, just not messages. private messenger. Just well, because yeah, the funny thing is like Facebook is a private company operating for profit, has all of these negative incentives that are bad, and then so one of the things that occurs to me is like, should we nationalize it? Like, should we treat it as? this public square like this resource that belongs to everyone i like the idea of democratizing it but when i think nationalizing it i think oh the bad government people are gonna control it then not the people yeah well and, and just the amount of data that it has on people it just starts getting creepy to imagine especially if you're mixing it with online voting so if you're using the same platform to shit post that you're using to vote online 30 day ban i can't get online to vote because oh, man. i said <laughs> all men are terrible <laughs> yeah, i posted i posted white people can't eat spicy things and now i'm not allowed to vote <laughs> for 30 days <laughs> oh i was thinking just other thing to update facebook and make it better instead of kicking people off for certain amounts of time or in addition to or as an option instead of they could offer little courses so it's like you, you said something racist and they kick you off Facebook and you don't want to wait 30 days. So instead, you have to watch six minutes of a person of color expressing their experience in modern America. And you have to sit through the whole thing and a answer a few questions at the end. They can't make you agree with it or anything, but you just they make sure you watched it. And then you can get back on. And if you say another racist thing, you, maybe you got to watch a 12-minute video. <laughs> but the way that Facebook actually moderates you'd end up watching tons of videos of white dudes talking about how reverse racism is really bad like well, so many six minute videos of a white guy being like when you said well that for, I don't the, like spicy for, food. for the spicy food thing i think maybe we could just stick to the facts i mean like here's some footage of white people eating spicy food it, you know they do <laughs> It's factually true that they do, uh, and so it you does can, hurt some of their feelings. So you can so. get temporarily banned from Facebook for just saying something that's not factually true. Well, and then you have to watch video <laughs> evidence that it is that, that you were wrong, only if it has to do with race. So I, I, 
That's, or it's a hell yeah. of a video library Facebook would need to have all the inaccurate racial statements debunked. Like Facebook just has a complete library well, of it's debunking. A, it's an idea. It's a work in progress. <laughs> so uh, will you vote for Mark Zuckerberg for president? Nope. I already said I wouldn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, me neither. But so far, he's got the best platform. So, But I do want him to accept my friend request. Yeah, me too. I really Still like that. Still waiting. Still waiting, Mark. Guess okay. we'll... Uh, Maybe we should poke him. Oh, do they still do that? Facebook still has that feature? Yeah, I've was poked recently. Huh. I think it's like underneath a menu now. Well, I guess we can't make these people wait here until he accepts the friend request. Maybe we'll uh, do a sequel if he does accept it. Leave a cliffhanger. Yeah, I think we're going to have to leave this one as a cliffhanger, folks, because Mark's a busy guy and we can't just have a real-time audio of us waiting for what could be weeks or months. So, thank you all for listening this week. That's Aaron, I'm Sean, we try to do a show every week. And you can support us on Patreon or PayPal. We suggest a donation of $6 a month. It makes a huge difference for us to be able to keep doing the show, uh, which is our favorite thing to do in the universe. And I want to thank everyone who has helped us get this far. we got so many awesome plans for the future. We're always working on trying to bring them out, but finite amount of time. So those donations really, really matter and help and fill us with joy and make us so grateful infinitely grateful even and we love you have a great week he's right we love you aaron cosines you're seriously wrong you're seriously wrong you're seriously wrong seriously wrong Next time on Seriously Wrong, Mark Zuckerberg sells right access to all of the babies born at Wrongtown Memorial Hospital's first words. Say da-da, say da-da. Come on, come on. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Whether you like comedy, romance, or action movies, there's something for everyone on Two for one Thursdays at Cineplex. Thank you for telling me about that, son. (laughs) It's our baby's first words. (laughs) It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. So glad I could be here. Wow. You never get a moment like this twice. Thank you, Mark Zuckerberg. Thank you, Mark. I'm so proud. I'll just pull out my earbuds and just little old Mark Zuckerberg just finished listening to a podcast and you know I think my life is changed forever based on what I've heard those guys are really on the money I am a good guy whose beautiful vision has been distorted by capitalism I was tricked into all this stuff Facebook shouldn't be designed to keep people's eyeballs on it as long as possible and it can never be a substitute for real human connections. It should exist to help foster real human connections and bring people together. And I think even I didn't really comprehend how big this was, this trove of information on 
everyone in the world almost this like so much power one person should never have that much power that's just morally wrong this doesn't belong to me that doesn't make sense that i i can own all of their information that's ridiculous i'm hey uh assistant guy assistant guy come in here yes mark zuckerberg sir founder ceo of facebook what is it cancel everything cancel priority one cancel it all we're changing course sir am i hearing you right you want me to cancel procuring the medical imaging company that was going to give us well-lit images of our users' buttholes? Yeah, and while we're at it, cancel all the partnerships with municipalities where we're analyzing their stool. I want to get far away from everyone's butthole. Sir, the stool analysis program is your baby. What right do I have to know what everybody on Facebook eats, what drugs they consume, and how healthy their feces are? It was the greatest sucking up of information we've ever participated in. I'm saying let's end it because it's wrong. Uh, yes, sir. Sure. While we're at it, also cancel the artificial intelligence we were building to create speculative fake nudes based on people's profile pictures, their interactions with others, their favorite music. But, their... but sir, the Omega Project is almost complete. I just don't think we should be putting fake nudes of people up in their neighborhood based on the location data of where they move around. I, d I don't understand why we were doing that. It was one of the least coherent projects we had. Yes, sir. I don't, I, I'll, I'll cancel it, sir. And I think that's a good idea because our slogan is our number one priority is not posting fake nude photos of you around your neighborhood. So that's it, really on brand, actually. From now on, Facebook is a company that keeps its promises. Okay? Yes, sir. That's what I like to hear. And so, after Mark Zuckerberg listened to the Seriously Wrong podcast, episode 174, Mark Zuckerberg, Will You Be Friends With Me, humanity dawned a new day. The next morning, when everyone woke up and checked Facebook first thing, they only spent a few minutes there. They closed the app and didn't have an urge to open it for the rest of the day, having received all of the red dots that they needed. Facebook changed its data use policies to keep as little as possible on its users and give its users maximum freedom, privacy, and control of their own information. Facebook became a trustworthy steward of its users' information, not giving up private messages to police departments, Coca-Cola Corporation, nor giving Netflix the ability to edit your private messages. And yes, they changed the name from Messenger to Private Messenger. Facebook also deleted all of the photos of your butthole that was well lit that they had already amassed. It was too late to cancel the... <laughs> it, it turned out to be too late to cancel the program. But they deleted it, and it was only shared with one financial institution. The end. <laughs>